I'm Ochoa. I have a question for you today. And my question is one that I was I was forced to think about today. Four sounds negative. I was uh, encouraged to think about today uh, because of some podcasting that I did. Um, and my question is, is when do you, if you do, remember uh, when you became a reader? Was the moment where the kind of one of the defining moments that really created a reader out of you or created the reading curiosity or got you just wanting to consume books? Do you have a memory that is close to that? And if so, what was it? Well, I have to say my seventh grade reading teacher, Miss MacArthur, made a huge, huge impact on me. Of course, you know, her impact was more like Pam's not reading and Pam's not doing your work. So therefore, my mother was there to pick me up and it didn't go well for me. We'll just say that. But I thought this is ridiculous. So the thing is, that was like by force. But that's that was a defining moment because I thought, I'm not going to get in trouble anymore. I'm too old and I'm done with that. It was not worth being in that kind of trouble for not doing my work. So I had avoided it, avoided it. You know what I mean? The reading. And I'm just, I was a typical seventh grade kid that would find something else to do rather than read. But Miss MacArthur, she had a classroom library back in the 70s. And she had all kinds of books on there, but there was, um, she read the Chronicles of Narnia to us. And so I thought that was really cool because that was one of the first books that had, that was a novel or, you know, chapter book or whatever you want to call it. So anyway, but there was um, some other books. And back then when she had, um, she was very strong, I think in in her Christian values. So she also included books that were about um, priests that were going off and delivering Bibles and things like that into communist Russia and those kinds of things. And so there were some books on her shelves that would tell those people's story. Um, Corey Ten Boom, uh, The Hiding Place was on her shelf. And I just was intrigued by the excitement or I really got into the characters and they were actually real people, but I got into the characters as they were trying to get through these horrific situations. So it really intrigued me. And then later on, my cousin, she's now, she's my sister really, but uh, because my mom raised her for about 10 years, but she came to live with us and she was an avid reader because she would use reading to escape from her situation. So like, uh, you know, the abuse and things that were happening with her at her her family's home, uh, she would just go off and hide and read a book. And so she would challenge me to read. She could read so fast. She can still read way faster than I could ever. She can finish like a 600-page book in a day. I've never seen anything like it. She can read like crazy. And she reads really fast. And uh, so what she would do is she would go get a book for both of us the same book. And she would say, all right, see if you can beat me. And I, so it was more like, I was real competitive. So it was more of a, I never did beat her, but it was more of a competitive situation, but she, she knew how to find a really good book that would keep you interested. So uh, she would find series and things like that. So those are my two moments where I realized that reading is fun and I think all through high school, uh, I would read all different types of books, but I remember sitting 
on the back porch on our swing and I would sit there for hours and read. And my mom and dad were, they were teachers. So they knew to, they knew that that was a good thing for me and they left me alone and let me do it. So I didn't read to escape. I just read because I enjoyed the, um, these characters, but I, I read a lot of historical fiction. Um, with my son now, we read a lot of different things together. He'll call me, and "Go, mom, you have to read this book." Most of the books are like military books. I mean, I can reach right over here on my shelf, and I've got Chosen Soldier, I've got Green Berets, I've got To Hell and Back. <laughs> I've got all of those books. So I read books that people wouldn't think that I would read, but I enjoy all the historical and true type fiction type things. I think that's just. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I think that I think that's just who you are. You're you're a you're a person who always does something that people don't expect. That's just your <laughs> mo in general. But ladies and gentlemen, this is Craft and Draft podcast. That's Pat Wachow. I'm Jacob Chastain. We are two teachers down here in the state of Texas doing reading and writing workshop, trying to inspire students with authentic reading and writing, filled with choice, voice, and everything. In between. On this podcast, we talk about reading, writing, workshop. We talk philosophy. We talk uh, some issues every once in a while. We take questions. We take comments. We take everything in between. And today, you guys, we are diving into um, a topic that I imagine we're just going to kind of bounce around into, but the idea of tutorials, homework, remediation, so to speak, uh, doing the things that are required of us in terms of a system, but also required because students do need uh, some support sometimes that requires some after hours things. And our campus uh, does some special tutorials, as uh, we'll probably talk about on this episode. But this is Craft the Drop, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Already. Ochoa, how are you doing today? You know, sometimes we just go in straight into the topic. I don't want to do that today. I want to spend a moment just asking, how are you? We just, we came back from Thanksgiving break. We had a week in back uh, on campus and it was a weird week for me. I started off, Monday was great. Tuesday was weird. Wednesday was awful for some reason. Thursday was decent, and then Friday was awesome. It was like this weird bell curve of a week, and I think it was a lot of it had to do with um, just kids coming back. But I don't know. How are, how are you feeling? How is your teacher brain feeling these days? Well, behind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all there. You think, you know, of course, I took my trip and uh, just really enjoyed it. We went to go see a lot of the east side of the United States, and East, eastern, south, southeastern side, you know, Georgia and North Carolina, South Carolina, all in there. It's really beautiful. But uh, so with that, you know, I took my mom and dad and uh, my mother's needing knee surgery. So uh, we ended up having to do a lot of walking. So we brought a walker to help her with that. So I was worried about them. And my mom and I talked about, about it today. It seems like every time I stop to read, I find myself two hours later waking up. So right now, I guess I'm still uh, recovering from uh, all of my ex, you know, whatever I did, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, and then... Um, but now, as far as my school, uh, I, I just was behind because we got in like Sunday, the day before Monday, right, at 5.15 in the morning. Now, there were no wrecks the whole trip. And then when we get to Dallas, there were four wrecks between Dallas and my house. 
and they were all, you know, and I mean, I think we even lost some, I mean, they were deadly wrecks. So they were really bad ones. So I'm glad I stopped all the places I did because I think if I'd have been here a little bit earlier, it might not have been good, but that did put me a little bit behind on planning and I already kind of had it mapped out what I wanted to do, but I don't have it fine tuned. So I kind of felt behind, but, um, no, as far as my week goes, I had ups and downs like you did. I think Monday was pretty good. Tuesday wasn't bad. But what was happening to me is I'd have a good morning and a really bad afternoon, or I'd have a really bad afternoon and a really good morning. And so like Friday, you know, we had some excitement in our hallways. So my afternoon, my morning and after the the beginning of the day was wonderful. The kids were working had my little music on, even in my first period class, which I've had trouble in there at West every once in a while, because you have these kids that just, you know, avoid and they, they want to talk to their friends and things like that. And, but I even put a little fireplace on and dimmed the lights and had that little crackling noise in the background. And they were, they were just riding and working. And then same thing with my next period. And then the last period, it was like, I, it, we should have just gone to Six Flags. I think we, we would have had a better outcome. They were, I was like, Pam, you know, Pam, just don't get upset. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. And the whole time I'm just like, uh, I just wanted to, to like, oh my gosh, y'all, I've had a good day today. Don't ruin it. You're ruining it. You know, they were hyper, didn't want to do anything. And I think it was all because of the commotion we had out in the hallway. So yeah, that's how I'm doing. Well, we have, I mean, there is a trend going around that I think is contributing to some of the energy of students, and it is this fairy dust, as they call it, these containers filled to the brim of pixie dust. You know, teachers, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen this trend anywhere else, but I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's on TikTok or whatever. So kids are doing it, but they're filling literally like glass jars of just flavored sugar uh, and just drinking it literally all day. So, you know, this, this causes, sometimes they take it early, right? They'll just chug all the sugar in the morning. So it makes it like the morning classes hyper where they crash and then the afternoon classes are a little chill or it works the opposite way. I think mm-hmm. that might be contributing to it. I don't know. The week back is always interesting. And I, I was thinking about this for our students where, you know, we had, I think it, it might've been our teacher partner, but it might've been someone else, but she had mentioned how, uh, when kids come back, you know, you, you have your norms conversation and, you know, you try to remind them of things, you know, Thanksgiving break is always something. Christmas break is always something. It's like kids forget how to do school. Um, but for us, you know, I feel like a lot of our students go home to places that are not, uh, they're not very positive. Right. And it was our teacher partner. She had said that a lot of the students came back and she just noticed that a lot of them were very self depreciating. They were like, Oh, I'm stupid. I'm this, you know, I, I can't do this. And they're just very negative. And, um, that, that's kind of common on our campus sometimes. And it's something that we try to counteract a lot, but she felt like it was a lot this coming Thanksgiving. And I think that's an interesting thing that, you know, uh, some students go home to great homes and parents to take care of them and they go on great vacations and some don't. Many don't. And on our campus, I would say a vast majority of them do not. So sometimes they go home and when they come back, they're just uh, seeking all kinds of different 
levels of attention. And it's almost right. like a retraining of, you know, you don't have to do that to get this attention, right? Like we're, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're in a, we're in a different place and it just takes them a while to even out. And by Friday, I felt like I had finally kind of gotten back to that. I was like, I'd gotten back to the promise of, Hey guys, like I'm, I'm here for you. You don't need to do that. <laughs> like we're, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and that was just an interesting, um, concept i don't know do you did you feel uh that energy at all or no yeah i mean i don't i don't i didn't really hear the the self you know negating talk maybe i just didn't listen i don't know but uh i did i do know that i had several kids go oh miss Ocho, we just really missed you you know and that was weird i didn't expect that to be honest but i think that has some thing you know we're just glad to get back you know those kinds of things and there was another student and I think it was in our our writing club that we do and that's he was talking about how when he got back he felt you know he went with some friends I guess and then he got back and he felt really like they just ignored him like he was nobody and so he was excited to be back at school so that he could be with people who who felt like he was somebody. So that was mentioned to me. I mean, we had a conversation about it. So yeah, I do think these kids, when they go home, we don't really know what they're going home to. And so that's why when they were back in there, like, I'm like, okay, calm down, Pam. I'm talking to myself. I'm doing some self-talk. I've got to calm down and not, not get mad because I have, I have, you know, a specific, I want them to work. I want them to write. I want them to read, but they just want to get to know each other again. And I did try to give a little bit of time to that, but then um, it's hard to know how how far to go with that, and then how to to try to rein them back in if you let them explore and and learn about each other, I guess, and talk to each other. And so it's just kind of a I don't know. We still have to get work today. You know, we still have to get work done. You know, this is. This is going to uh, take us on a slightly different path, maybe, for this episode. Uh, but I want to hit on this because it's something I've thought about. And it's, it's it's definitely not worthy of a full episode, I don't think. But, you know, one thing I noticed when we came back was I was like, there's something I've gotten out of practice with um, in teaching. And I, I honestly, I don't even know if it's a bad thing. It's just something I've noticed, which is I used to do Kagan strategies all the time. Like I vividly remember, uh, you know, I would do tons of stand up hands up pair up and I would do this with fun activities. And I, that's how I built a lot of my culture was having kids share funny questions with each other and all this and moving around the room. And I have the COVID changed that last year because we couldn't right? like they were very adamant right. about us not having kids intermingle. And then this year, I just haven't brought it back. And it wasn't because I didn't mean to, it's because I didn't think about it. And when my kids came back from Thanksgiving break, we had, there was like this break in kind of like rules and like the whatever. And I was like, why am I, why am I not using cake strategies? Why am I not having them move around the room and talk about these things just to get those jitters out and stuff like that? And I was like, I was almost offended at myself that I like had dropped this practice uh, because I didn't do it for a whole year. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't even necessarily, I don't even have a question to prompt you to respond to that, but it was just something I had noticed that I had just fallen out of this, something that was really um, at least one of the the core pieces of how I taught for quite a while. I don't know. I mean, I guess my question is, do you, have you noticed that coming back from um, more restrictive teaching from last year? Is there anything that you, like a habit that 
that you might have fallen out or a habit, like something that you thought of and you're like, oh yeah, I used to do that. Why don't I do that anymore? Like, <laughs> I don't right. know. Well, no, a I, weird I, realization for me. Yeah. I mean, I used to do even more peer editing and more uh, yeah. uh, group things and, you know, share. And I mean, I now that you brought that up, I haven't had them share. I have them share at least once in six weeks, but, um, but no, I haven't been using as much. And I think you're probably right. Last year, um, well, my first year back into the classroom, which was now three years ago, uh, boy, I had them up on the board. They were walking around. They were doing gallery walks. We were doing book tastings. We were doing, and you know, I really haven't done as much of that because the, the very next year they were like, you cannot have them out of your desk. You cannot have them do this. You have to have them do, you know? And so they were very strict due to COVID, you know, they have to be so many feet apart and it's hard to do group work when they're 50 feet apart. I'm exaggerating, but uh, it's hard to do group Our work when they can't. That big. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was just, you know, trying to practice my hyperbole. Anyway, so uh, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, I haven't. I need to do more. I need to do more of that. Maybe that's something I need to. I need to probably add this next week a sharing strategy where they can all share their favorite poem with each other and do some stuff like that. Now I do have them share. I do. I know I have done this and that is after their silent sustained reading, I have them respond and then they've been sharing their responses, but I just haven't done it in a Kagan way, which I do know how to do that. I just haven't done it. Yeah. I mean, I was, I just, I use it all the time. It was just something I thought about the other day. I don't know. Maybe we can, I don't know, work through that at some point, but I don't know. Let, let's yeah. move on to our topic of the show, which is, you know, tutorials. And, and I think remediation, I think, is kind of the the idea of this. And, you know, for people just to give some background context, you know, last year, um, you know, we uh, we try to be really honest about the, the realities of teaching on this podcast. And one of the realities of, of teaching is the the standardized test and data. And I feel like some places some teachers, some presenters, I think they ignore, uh, maybe not willingly, like they're just not fully aware, but they really capitalize on this idea that you can just ignore the test, right? Things will work out. Thank, you know, just, just do that. And that's fine and dandy. And here on a campus where the state is telling you that if you don't fix things, they're coming in. Right. right. And that's where our campus was last year. Um, luckily, we raised our scores uh, at an exponential rate last year to where we we avoided that. And now we're in a much safer place. Um, but that's a reality for a lot of campuses is this you if you do poorly enough. Um, you're not going to be left alone, right? And if anyone knows, like being left alone is like the best part of teaching, right? That's what our classrooms feel the best. And <laughs> that's, that's what we strive to be. Yeah, left it's like, alone. leave me alone. <laughs> and to do that and in the public school setting is unfortunately you have to play the game and you have to do all these things. And we have a principal who is very much um, focused on authentic teaching and encourages it. And it's literally a part of the culture of our school. But she's also aware of what scores need to be and and how to raise those. And she doesn't shy away from the fact that things equal test prep sometimes. And, and uh, we have to have systems in place that encourage these things. And we, we have to live within the system as people who love authentic reading and writing workshop. We have to be able to... To, to dip our toes into the system every once in a while. And we, last year we did this massive tutorial push. We started it way earlier because of COVID and um, kids were home and they weren't home and they were home and they weren't home. And it was just this 
obnoxious uh, back and forth. Um, and so we started these, the, what we're going to talk about today is these tutorials very early is in October. We started um, having four days of tutorials a uh, week and that were mandated. And we had kids that were on a spreadsheet and they had to show up and they didn't show up. We went and found them and it was this whole drain. And now we fed the kids and we, teachers got paid for these and everything else. And then we started using a period in the middle of the day to do it. So I last year I had a block, I had two blocks and then I taught tutorials and then I had another block and then I taught tutorials. That was my day all day last year. Um, and it was, Rough. I think we've we've talked about it briefly on the podcast before, but and so we're we're getting close to the end of our first semester, and lo and behold, our principal says, "Hey, tutorials worked last year. Guess what we're doing this year?" And she brings up this idea of tutorials, and I gotta say, Ochoa, I am not a fan. <laughs> like, I mean, I am, but I'm not. Like, it de- it depends on what it is. Like the what. These tutorials are very much focused on standardized test scores, um, quote-unquote bubble kids, getting students to raise their percentages on tests. And I think that's different from having kids come to tutorials because they need to help master content or they they have gaps or they're absent or something like that and bringing them in for just some extra work. And I don't know. I mean, we could... The the concept of tutorials, I think, is really interesting in, in light of the podcast where we do so much preaching about what kids need versus what the system wants and how do we play to this. But there's also times where we have to, we're forced to do things. So I don't know. I mean, when you're, what, what is your general idea of tutorials? I mean, you, you know what we did last year and you know, what's coming this year, but, but separate from that, I mean, what has been your general usage of tutorials? Have you found them to be effective? Have you ever done them in a, in a very rigid way where, you know, you had kids, tracked and you track their data throughout it and everything, or has it been more of a free flow for you? It's always been a free flow. So I'm a little bit nervous about doing all these tutorials to be real honest. (laughs) I, uh, you know, it's usually, um, if kids need help, I mean, I've always made sure I was available to them. So like if they're, if I notice a student or like you said, their scores are low and they, that they really need a little extra push, then I would have them come in for tutorials whenever they could. You know, I call their mom, let them know that they really need a little extra help, and we arrange the time that they can come in. And then I have whatever it is that they were working on in class or whatever skill that they did not master. Then I would create some sort of activity or strategy or just let them redo some of the work with me there so that I can help them and find out what it was that they messed up on or what they didn't understand. Uh, I've had them come in and read for me or read to me so I can hear them read. And then that way I could help them kind of like a guided reading type thing. Uh, But no, it's always been, they expected us to have a tutorial time that we're definitely going to be around, but not necessarily. I've never been in a place where, uh, you had to to have it mandated like what y'all are talking about. So, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting because there are some of our, you know, we always have large turnover of teachers on our campus and it doesn't matter who's there. Um, it's just, it's a very draining campus. Um, and some people don't know what they're in for and some people stay there for a long time and then they leave. And 
Uh, I have never spoken about my campus with light heart in terms of like the work that goes into doing what we do. Um, I take pride in that, but I also understand why it can be draining on a lot of people and uh, adding tutorials and adding all of this stuff is um, it can be extreme to some degree. And it is a large, like I'm not going to cherry coat it. Like it is, it is entirely this process of these tutorials is entirely driven because of the standardized test, right? Like that is, there's no way around that concept, but, um, and I think it's important to talk about this is the game we play. Is it not? I mean, this is, this is the world we live in and our principal, you know, I've, I think we've praised her on a million different mm-hmm. podcasts, Oh yeah. but we, in our meeting where she said that we were going to continue doing this, she said, we, this campus has always been last in the district and that is why we were in the position we were. And then last year we changed it. We had better teachers in place. We had better uh, processes in place. We had better leaders in place in each department and we did tutorials, uh, in a systematic way that was focused on data-driven instruction and we became third in the district, which has never happened. We were behind the two most affluent schools in our district and our middle schools. And she just looked at, she looked at the, in the meeting, it was just me and another person who have been at the campus, um, for longer than the last like two years. Um, the other person had been there for about 10 and I've been there for eight. And she goes, have you ever seen the campus do this? And I was like, Nope. And she goes, okay, well, we're not going to change what worked. And so this is why we're doing it. Now we're not starting as early, which honestly, sweet. Like, (laughs) I don't, uh, I mean, it was, it was rough starting these tutorials in October. I'm telling you. And uh, so I, I think it's, it's valid and I, it's hard to argue because of the, the results that we had, which gets people off of our backs, which allows us to do the stuff that we do. I mean, you've been at campuses where they were suffering and then freedom was taken away. Have you not? Yes, I have. It's rough. It's rough. And it's in, boy, the morale goes down real fast yeah. in those kind of situations. I've also been, though, at the district, at, in our district, at the school. Well, I was at the school nine years that's always on the top. And there is a school that we have that's always on the top. And, you know, if yeah. you're getting close to that pers- that group, and they were actually ranked uh, number one in our in our county. So they're they're a good school. I've been there. I know, I know they're good and, and they work hard to be good. So, you know, I think, I think that is something that, um, people don't understand either. There's a ton of pressure to stay at the top and it is a ton of pressure. So even though they do have affluent students and it's not as difficult to, to get to the top, it is hard to stay there. And well, especially and, when everybody's eyeing you. Well, and I, not to cut you off, but I do, I want to double down on that point because I know sometimes I can throw some shade at some of these other campuses because they are affluent and they come from, you know, they're, they're, the kids are all from doctors, moms and lawyer yeah. moms, which is very yeah. true. Like no, that's true. Like the majority of those students definitely come from well off. I mean, oh, they're, yeah. they're, no, they live true. in houses that I, we can't afford and you know, everything else. I'm with you. Yeah. But, uh, with that said, I have been to that campus. I have spoken to those teachers. I've worked with those teachers. I have uh, worked alongside the admin there and the principal and their systems that they have in place and their dedication to their craft and their dedication to what they do is 
unmatched in a lot of places. I mean, you you don't stay at the top just because your kids come from particular backgrounds. It helps, and I'm not I'm not underscoring that. It definitely helps in some in in the standardized testing world. But they kick butt. Like they're not they work their tails off. And you like you said, you were there for several years. You experienced it. Well, yeah, I was there for nine and and that. But really where our lowest area there at that time, we had the highest scores in the district when it comes came to reading in English. I don't know. And it wasn't too difficult to stay there. Uh, I think we when I was there, it was when we finally broke the 90% ceiling and we got up to 95%. So uh, that's pretty dang good. But when you're when you're looking at um the math, the math had mandated tutorials and, and their tutorials trumped all of us, all of our tutorials. So when, when, when we actually had a student come in, we had to work with the math department. We had to figure out when their tutorials were because they, they reigned, so to speak. And then, um, and so then our tutorials had to be very uh, targeted when I had them because I didn't get to get them that that often. Does that make sense? So I had to figure out how to make sure they're really, what was the best bang for my buck in this particular tutorial to help this student rise to the occasion. But the problem there is that the, um, the pressure on the students from the parents, or they also had a lot of times their um, parents are working and they're gone. They're like, their work takes them all over the world. And so they're busy, gone, and so they've got a nanny or they've got somebody else there taking care of them. So they have similar, not the same, it's not the same, because I've now been in both places, it's not the same, but they have issues. They're just a little bit different. And then over here, uh, where we're at, uh, the issues are, um, golly, they're they're monumental, I think, um, compared to the other place. They really are. And I can speak to this because I've been in, I've been on both sides. I've, I've worked in every feeder system that we have. We've got three high schools. So I've worked in all of the feeder systems. So I've seen it all over. But what I like about where we're at is, first of all, our principal knows that, like you said, she's going to, she's going to put her foot down on certain areas, but she gives you freedom in other areas. And I think that helps the teacher, that helps me with my um, morale, if you will. So, okay, all right, I don't mind putting this time in if this is going to help us. I'm just nervous about the time I'm going to have about planning these things. Am I going to get the most bang out of my buck? I don't, I don't want, I don't want somebody to come in and go, oh, to because I'm not that experienced with all these tutorials like y'all are. So I'm just like going, uh, how do y'all do these tutorials? Uh, you know, do you, what do you talk about every day? <laughs> well, and, every day. Uh, so let me, <laughs> every let day me, but one <laughs> so a week. I, I want to make one note and then I'm going to answer that question because, okay. so one note I want to make about just our leadership on our campus is, you know, you, and I, I think it's well-documented by people who like me and people who dislike me and all the podcasts I've done, all the, all everything I've put out there is I am not the most compliant person all the time. I have no problem, uh, bucking the system. I have no problem ignoring things that I do not like. Uh, I have reined that in a little bit for the sake of, um, 
leadership aspirations, but also just being a better leader. I don't think bucking systems just to do it is actually effective. I think to lead people, you have to know when to do it. That way, when you do it, it's actually meaningful and not just more of the same. And I have a leader who's helped me do that because she does it. I mean, how many times has she started off a meeting with all of us saying, yeah, I got in trouble with district. (laughs) (laughs) She literally, that is what she does. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I work under someone like that. But she doesn't do that without the data behind her. So she doesn't just do it willy nilly. Yeah. And that's what, and I don't either, but she's, she's, uh, she's mentored me in, in better ways to do certain things and, and how to play and then when to actually stand up and say no and, and all of this other stuff. So I'm infinitely grateful, but you know, we, the stuff that we talk about on this podcast, I mean, we, we talk about this authentic practices and letting kids write what they want. And, you know, we don't have people in our room saying, Oh no, you know, Ochoa, you can't go down this rabbit hole of all of these poetry forms, right? You don't have, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just call what I'm doing uh, a rabbit hole? I mean, it is right. I mean, it kind it's of not? is. <laughs> no, it's not. Hey, the kids are, I, mean, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> there is more poetry in this world than just slam <laughs> got news they are learning the language and how to manipulate it i didn't oh, say they weren't say learning down a rabbit hole anyway keep going so for clarification by rabbit hole i mean you're going beyond the curriculum in some areas right it says characteristics of poetry are the forms not characteristics all right, that's fine. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll walk the term back. But just you're, you. you're, uh, but you, you're, my point was is we don't have people come into our room saying, "Don't do mm-hmm. this, don't do that." I mean, I have, no, I have don't. yet to be told that. Right? Um, they they have some things that they want us to do, and they just come in and check. And if they need something from us, they ask. But you know, we live in a very very open environment for how standardized focused our principle is. Right. I mean, it is, we're in such a unique position. And I think the reason is, is because we are data driven. We focus on our tests. We do the required tests. We do the required data. We, but we don't do it in stupid ways, right? Like we don't like, like we have our own data talks and we have an academic coach who's very well versed in this. And we, we have these conversations when there's there sometimes there's miscommunication, but we clarify it. Like it's a it's such a great environment for playing the game that public school is, but also doing what's right. And that is such a unique position that we're in. But it's because we get we we get the job done, so to speak. And that is that's the unique part. But to to, to pivot real quick back to what you were saying of like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I talk about? So when we started these last year, I in typical Chastain fashion, I fought against this idea of just tutorialing like all the time. Tutorialing is not a word, but using tutorials like <laughs> every day and, and just hounding it. Right. I was like, no, I was like, the only way this can work. I was like, there's, there's too much time involved. I was like, I don't, there's not enough model text in the world to do this. How many, I mean, we're going to be writing questions every single day and writing, you know, and it was just like this beating. And when we started, uh, 
I had this idea, and this came about by talking with our my uh, our partner, but at the time she was just my partner. You weren't here yet, um, and I was like, I don't know, how do you do this? Because she's she's the most she's so philosophically aligned with us that I was like, I trusted her input on all of this, and she goes, well. You know, maybe cool to be like, like treat it like a, almost like a literature circle, but like a, you know, like a little novel group, right? We had like 10 kids in there, you know, let's get these novels and let's read through them. And so I was like, that's a good idea. So we initially tried to do this through, you know, I, I started with holes, right? I had all of my students reading holes and we read like, you know, a few the chapters are short in that book. So we read a few chapters. We had a dialogic journal, which was fun. And we interacted, we discussed, we talked about character, plot, all that stuff. Um, and our goal was to like, to cover the poetry and the nonfiction stuff throughout the tutorials was bring that stuff in as, you know, related text. That was the initial idea of these tutorials. And I was very excited about it. Cause I was like, sweet novel study. Uh, love it. Can do it totally in small group. Awesome. It's like a, it's like a little bit bigger of a guided reading group, pull in some small text that, uh, augment a little bit. Awesome. Working all that, add some questions once a week to make sure we're being able to translate this to some type of standardized format. And then the ugly head of where we work, uh, turns its head, which is, it always does, which is our kids, um, they have chaotic lives. They can't always show up to tutorials. They have to go home. They, they have to take care of sisters. They, there's a lot of absenteeism. They can't show right. up for tutorials. They're in trouble. So they go to ISS or, you know, they're out of school suspension because they're, you know, they got into a fight or something like that. This, that is very common. So what happens is we started, these gaps started happening on tutorials. So kids would miss, you know, 25 pages of the book. They don't have time to read it for tutorials. They're not going to do it at homework because they're going to go home and there's no time to read because they have all these other things going on. And so that dropped. We, we didn't finish it. Now, some of the kids were like, Oh, can I finish this on my own? I was like, sure. So it did work in that aspect. But what ended up happening is we used a lot of news ELA articles. We used a lot of their questions. Um, and, and it just became that. And I, what I started doing was just trying to find articles that we could have great conversations around. And that's what my tutorials became. I started leaning into, what nonfiction is good at, which is, um, I think sometimes we, we create this boring narrative around nonfiction in, in English because kids struggle with it. But really, I mean, if you're bringing interest in articles, I mean, you read the article and it's like, oh yeah, what's this? Oh, let's watch a video about it. Oh yeah. There's a poem about this. Oh, there's a book about this and you really can open it up. And that's what the tutorials became over time. But I didn't plan for that, but that was, that was my solution to it because I, I hate just handing an article a day and answering questions. But you know, when you're doing tutorials, it has to be um, very targeted. And because of the way we do tutorials, I mean, it's not like four kids, it's like 10 to 15 students. It can't be, it's not like a small group guided reading group. Like it can't be that narrowed down because it's just, you're, you're, even though it's, it, it's, we pull the kids because of data and they should all be in the same range. We still have, kids reading at a low rate and a high rate within the same tutorial group. So it can't be as targeted. It's also only 30 minutes. So whether you're doing it in the morning or afternoon, kids come in, it takes a minute to settle down. They might be late. There might be all of this. You have to cut. So it's really like, if it's a 30 minutes, it's really just 20 minutes. Right. (laughs) And then you have a five minute debrief. So you lose time in certain ways that, you know, we all are familiar with because we're teachers, but I think that's the challenge is trying to, make something meaningful out of something that is 
intentionally and uh, purposefully uh, systematized because it's just the way it has to happen. I don't know. What's your thinking with all that? Well, I can see why. I, I think I think that novel idea is a good one until when you start looking at the reality of yeah, things. Yeah, once they start so, not showing up, it really breaks. Yeah, it. that it messes it up. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I like I like your idea of of doing different, um, you know, different articles, and because I really think that nonfiction a lot of times is what they're not as strong at what's funny is i feel like you i feel like you're going to be a queen at these tutorials because if there's one defining characteristic of you and there's a lot but if there's one that i had to be (laughs) like rabbit holes (laughs) yes exactly all right go ahead you are your forte as a as an educator speaker um person is just bringing up an idea and you've had so many life experiences and you've been teaching so long and you have so many, your hands are in so many different parts of the world that people might not assume about you just, but from knowing you that you, any idea comes up and you're like, well, I have a story about that. And now you're on a tangent and now you're, so you, I feel like once you get into the zone of this and once your tutorial groups, like once you, whether it's your kids or some other kids that you have to bond with, like once that bond happens, you're going to have a blast. You're going to read something for 10 minutes, pull up a video, an article, let them go off, pull their own connections to it. Like, cause it is this, this open and free environment because what we're trying to get them to do is interact with the content, but we're trying to make up for their lack of exposure to stuff. And I, I feel like that's just what you're so good at. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I was thinking that background, I mean, to me, that's, that's the one thing that they don't have. For example, just the other day, I was doing the, you know, Nancy Atwell lesson or similar to it. wasn't identical, but it, I got the, the spark of it from her uh, lessons that changed uh, writers' lives or changed writers. Um, but anyway, she has a lesson there um, about writing about the pebble, and she brings up the uh, Carlos Williams uh, red wheelbarrow. You know, of course, last year I think I taught we talked about the fact that I used that, and it went really great, and I had wonderful things. So this year I thought, well, I had such a good time last year with it. I'll do it this year. So here I am, and. It's like not going as well as it did at my other school. And I'm like, okay, so do y'all not, you know, I, I did some of the same things. And then all of a sudden this girl raises her hand and she says, Miss Ochoa, what's a wheelbarrow? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you don't know what a wheelbarrow is. No problem. So sure enough, I did exactly what you're talking about. I went to the computer. I, I just pulled up images of red wheelbarrows. And sure enough, even some of uh, Carlos Williams, his white chickens and his red bill, red wheelbarrow were there. And so, and last year I did, now that I remember it, I had an image, but this year I didn't include the image. And so they don't, I've got to, you can't just assume because you know what it is. They know what it is, especially in our school, because there are so many different languages, right? A lot of them. I I spoke to a girl yesterday, uh, actually Thursday, she's brand new from El Salvador and uh, she knows absolutely no English. And so 
Uh, now she's not in my class. I think she's in our newcomers class, but I have a girl that's in my class that says Miss Ochoa because I have Ochoa. They assumed I knew Spanish. So thank goodness I knew enough to ask her what country she's from. That's about all I got. You know, I know, I know phrases that I memorized. I don't think I could have a full conversation, but we were able to talk a little bit, but you know, so it's really fascinating that that the I think if we're going to do these tutorials, which I guess we are, uh, as you've just told me, <laughs> hello everybody, I'm oh, doing they're tutorials. Coming. <laughs> they're coming, <laughs> and we even have a calendar that they've told us when we're going to really get in there. So, uh, but anyway, I think providing those articles, but making sure we have time in there to provide the background information. We can't just assume they know the information. I think the more background that we give them, the better it is. And one other thought, and I've shared this over and over, but uh, when I was an academic coach uh, and I was really working hard with our science department, which they ended up doing really well that particular year, uh, on the test, there was a test and uh, one of our high stakes standard you know, star test, and uh, they were doing dichotomous key. Okay, the dichotomous key and how to how to uh, to do that particular skill. Our kids could do it like crazy. They knew how to do dichotomous key and they knew how to create one. They knew exactly how to answer it, except for one problem. It asked instead of saying, um, you know, leaves that are rough edged. It had the word serrated. Nowhere did we teach the word serrated. Guess what was on the test? Our kids missed it, not because they didn't know dichotomous key. They didn't know the word serrated. They picked the wrong leaf. So, you know, that really is an important um, background vocabulary, I think, would be definitely something that you'd want to include to make these particular tutorials effective. And I think that's the, you know, for anyone who might be in similar uh, position where, you know, I feel like sometimes we use the system as an excuse not to teach authentically and to not use choice and voice and joy and everything else. And, you know, we're not limiting any of that, right? It's, it's, how do we, it's, how do we do this within that as well? And, um, sometimes, you know, it is, you know, these tutorials lean more towards a standardized way of doing things. We ask a lot of questions. We do a lot of test prep. And honestly, a lot of the stuff that we deal with, like a lot of our kids understand the content. They struggle with the the way the tests are written, right? And they struggle mm-hmm. with the vocabulary and they struggle with the, the structure of things and they struggle with stamina. So that is stuff that I feel like can actually be valuable for tutorials, right? We don't make our classes about this stuff, but you know, if a kid is doing well in your class, but they're failing failing test by a question or two, you know, it, it, it might really be uh, something that can be fixed in tutorials by having test taking stuff. You know, like I feel like the majority of my like life as an adult was I knew how tests were, right? I, I knew how to take a test and I, I knew how to manipulate that, but that's a skill, right? Like, yeah. Kids can, they're going to have jobs where they have to do that. Um, some, a lot of them will, some of them won't, but, um, you know, it's just a part of the, it's a part of the game. It's a part of the system, but I I think there's ways to do it that doesn't rob the joy of stuff. You know, when, when our tutorials were really going as much as I was tired and burnt out, uh, I had a lot of fun having discussions. You know, we would read something and a student would go, what's that? And I'm like, I don't know, let's Google it. And then we would go down these rabbit holes and really, (laughs) (laughs) but and dive in and, you know, it gave them a lot of background knowledge and we had a lot of discussions. You know, sometimes we brought in political articles. A lot of times we brought in something else. 
else. You know, anytime I could bring in something that was relevant to their lives, I try to, but it was, it was, it was, uh, what it was, you know, news ELA is a fantastic resource. I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know that, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it is, I, I think the, the challenge is just trying to make, uh, what we do fun, even when we we're doing something that isn't that fun. Right. And that is, right. that that's always the challenge. It's a, it's more of a challenge for me. Cause if I'm bored, I'm not going to want to do it. But like I said, I, I think there really was, we made a lot of gains. It, it's something that we're, we're doing this year. So I'm sure it'll come up, especially as we, we start getting tired. Cause that'll be the fun part when we're like, okay, so we're, we don't have time to plan. We don't have time to do homework. Uh, we're doing all of this stuff. Now we have a podcast to record. Like it's, <laughs> we got a book to write. We need to do some, oh, we need to do Facebook yes. lives, which we keep putting off. Like all of this, it, it eventually comes to head and there is, uh, everyone has their limits and we're going to, we're going to find out what those limits are for Ochoa this year. I think. <laughs> as, as morbid as that sounds, but you know what? You're such a. You're a glutton for punishment. I feel like you you do you wouldn't be in this job still if you didn't if you didn't love the the more uh, love's a strong word if you weren't able to tolerate the the more unsavory aspects of what we do. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, I can always I can always do something for about five months. <laughs> that's right. I mean, you get paid, right? Hey, now that I've never had, I've never been paid for outside work when it comes to tutorials. So oh, that's something that our principal, again, another thing that, uh, you know, we have this fund, right, mm-hmm. in Texas that might be in all of the United States. I don't know. I don't want to speak to that. But um, but you can use it in certain ways. And I've never seen it used to help the entire faculty, I've never seen that before. So that's kind of neat. I mean, I'm glad I'm here. That's all I got to say, even though I'm really nervous and I want to nah. make sure my tutorials are good. I I just want them to be worthwhile It'll be and right. not rabbit holy. Honestly, I, that's going to be your strength on this. I, like I said, it's going to be, okay. I, I, I think, well, we'll probably do a follow-up episode where we're like super tired and talk about it, but you know, it is, uh, I don't know. There'll be a follow-up. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Craft the Draft podcast. That's Pamela Trump, Jacob Chester. We're two English teachers down here in the state of Texas doing what we love with reading and writing workshop. We love taking questions. If you have a question about this episode or a previous episode, do not feel shy. Send those questions, comments, concerns, ideas, musings, anything else. Uh, we love reading them on the show, interacting with them, everything Else, if you have an idea about tutorials, your own experience with it, or want to challenge an idea we have, want to support an idea we had, bring it to us. We'd love to. You can do that at craftandjeffworkshop.com, where you can submit your own questions, comments, or concerns if you would like to. You can follow me on uh, my social media if you would like to. You can follow Pam Ochoa, although she's a little bit, she she hides a little bit on social media. So <laughs> well, if you can find her, then that would be, that would really be the challenge. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe. We submit uh, what we release a podcast every single Friday. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode or want to just have an episode where you can listen to two teachers talk authentically and realistically about the world of teaching in public schools, then do so. We'd love to have you subscribe. Our numbers are going up every day. We love seeing people 
joining us, whether it's from Teach Me Teacher or just finding us organically. It's absolutely amazing. Leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. Those reviews help us. It is not just for bragging rights, although we do love bragging about our star rating, but it really does help us. It helps with the algorithm when you hit that star button or leave a review. It helps other people uh, find us because we rank among other episodes. Now, I, you know, I want to do a special request. If you're still listening, I know some people cut off podcasts when they do like their ending spiel. I do it too on some of the podcasts. So if you're still listening and you're from a country outside of the U.S., I want to hear from you. We see our data. That's right. You are, there's people all around the world listening to Craft and Draft these days. And I want to know what you're experiencing. What's workshop like in Australia, in India, in uh, the you know, in European countries, you know, what does it look like for where you are? You know, we see the map and we're deeply curious, both of us, because one, we would love to present in a different country. That would be really fun. But uh, also, we just want to know what reading and workshop is like where you are. Is it similar to what we're doing? Is it strange listening to Texas teachers talk about so much freedom? We don't know. We want your input. Uh, so send us a, con- uh, a comment or an email and we'd love to interact. But for everything else, ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here for you. 